So the big question is this, how do value-obsessed leaders ascend their business and life to world-class levels of effectiveness, even if they're inside a bureaucracy or starting from scratch with absolutely no capital? That is the question, and this podcast is going to bring you the answer. My name is Doug Utberg, and this is the Terminal Value Podcast. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. We have Debbie Goodman with us uh, from uh, DebbieGoodmanLeadership.com. And uh, what we're actually going to be talking about is some of the unanticipated consequences of the return to office movement that is currently underway as of the time of this recording. Uh, and so one of the things that Debbie does is she does leadership coaching and also is uh, runs an executive search firm. So she's had a front row seat to a lot of these dynamics. Um, and, uh, you know, at least just some of the things that I've seen and I solemnly swear that I'll let Debbie get going here in a moment. Uh, but one of the things, at least that I've seen, is that um, you know a lot of companies seem to be struggling with really how to um, you know with how to make sure that people who are either remote, hybrid, or on site kind of all stay on an equal footing from say a management visibility perspective, just because that tends to be very important, uh, a very important part of uh, you know of your perception for advancement. Uh, so, but anyway, that's just serving up the conversation. Uh, Debbie, introduce yourself. And uh, as always, don't let me talk too much. Okay, well, it's very nice to be here. Um, so I am the CEO of Jackhammer Global, which is a global group of executive search companies. Um, we have a large executive search firm in Africa. I'm from South Africa, from Cape Town. You may uh, be able to hear my accent. Um, and then we have a U.S executive search business that focuses on the ed tech sector and we have a blockchain division that works in web3 and helps web3 companies with their leadership hiring and then my role is um, I help CEOs and founders of companies NPOs venture-backed startups with their leadership hiring I advise boards and I advise venture firms um, on all things people and talent related and for the last two years we've been pretty obsessed with um, with firstly the work from home, uh -huh. which um, I was speaking to um, one of the CEOs of a listed publicly traded company the other day, and he said that was super simple in comparison with getting people back into the office. So um, yes, we all had to pack up our things and uh, and figure out how to work remotely, and it was a bit of a shock to the system. But all things considered, people really responded quite swiftly. Um, and although it was certainly not an equal playing field, everybody was equal in their remoteness. And I am talking about the, the professional services type of environment. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's a large portion of the population that are not included in this working groups that um, are frontline workers. So let's, you know, that's a yeah. completely different segment of the market. But the market that I see, which is knowledge workers in professional services and related companies and tech companies and venture-backed startups, Etc. who essentially started remoting um, yeah. and got the hang of it, um, albeit with great, you know, dif different kinds of, um, of ease depending on their personal circumstances. Um, and then there were a couple of false starts to getting back into the office or some kind of uh, whispering around hybrid, which was, um, if you think back um, about a year ago um, was when May-ish was when um, vaccinations in certainly the US was getting to a point where it was like, okay, we can yeah. start thinking about relaxing um, regulation. And then everybody got super excited 
big tech companies. We're going to be back in the office by June 2021. And then guess what? Delta. And then um, do you remember Delta variant? Um, and then we were back in paralysis mode. And for many, um, many individual, many companies, that's when the sort of this talk of hybrid really started to happen. Then there was, okay, September, we're going to be in office. And then some companies started edging there, but, but you know, lots of concerns. And then it was going to be the end of the year or January. And then there was Omicron. And so there've been these false starts, but I think finally where we're finding ourselves right now in April, 2022 is um, I think Fauci this week said something that was almost like each to their own now, look after yourselves people. Um, and so we are seeing this much greater impetus towards return to office. I saw the acronym RTO for the first time a few weeks ago. What's that? Okay, it's the opposite of WFH, um, work from home. Um, and there are some unanticipated consequences that are already emerging um, with that. Um, and I was, I was, I'm really reading a lot of material around yeah. what are the themes that we're dealing with right now. Um, and the first is that just as there was a big, a big reset that, or an adjustment that needed to happen when people started working from home, when we're all working in isolation, when it was just such a complete adjustment to, to life, there was a lot of latitude that was given. There was a lot of empathy yeah. that was being dished around where managers and employees and everybody was feeling like we're in this together. We're going to figure this thing out. We're going to put our back into it and we're going to, we get, we're going to troop this. We're going to trench this together. And, um, and it took months actually for yeah. some kind of measure of, okay, we're working productively now to happen. Yeah. Now it's this reversal. Okay. We're mostly okay. Compasses been some companies that have chosen to stay fully remote. Great to them. There are others that are choosing a hybrid and then there are further others who go, we in, we're an office-based company, so get yep. in your car and get to the office. Um, and, and what I'm noticing is that there's much less latitude, goodwill, and empathy to be seen in the environment where there's less recognition of the amount of readjustment that individuals are professionals are needing to take into consideration whilst they rejig their lives for the how many yeah. time. Um, and there's the logistics that need to be taken care of. Well, and I'm going to put an additional degree of rotation on what you're saying, because uh, so my wife and I, we have uh, two children. Our daughter uh, is turning 16, actually, um, just next week, and our son is going to be turning 13 uh, shortly after that. Uh, and so, you know, what we ended up having was, you know, when all of the, you know, everybody stay at home uh, orders went in, we also ostensibly ended up having to add homeschooling both of our kids uh, on top of what we were already doing. Now, of course, they still had school, they still had the regular stuff, but we had to make sure, okay, you know, are, are you double checking your Google Classroom? You know, are you getting all your, uh, all your homework in? Are you doing it correctly? You know, are you taking a picture and submitting it the right way? You know, and, and then helping them do projects. Um, and, you know, and then of course, now that things have started to open back up, there's also the uh, all of the, okay, you know, driving to practice, driving to, you know, driving to games, driving to dance tournaments, my son's in scouts, so we're going to all of our scout events, and it, you know, both of our kids are right in that phase of maximum 
logistical need uh, and it is it's straining right so i'm similar phase to you two teen daughters 13 and 14 and i jokingly said to them you know i become a stay-at-home mom i mean i work a full day but i'm at home and what that means is that a lot of the little bits and pieces i haven't needed to really think about because i'm at home and now all of a sudden i've been traveling and conferencing and I'm not at home and the amount of moving parts that need to be taken into consideration, the who's going to do the rides and the lifts and the cost associated with that. What about all the people who moved out of state who let go of certain resources, either because of affordability or they no longer needed it? There's a lot of readjustment that needs to happen is basically the summary of all of this. And just as there was a lot of latitude given at the outset, I read We're not going back to February 2020, people. That is never going to happen. We're in a new world. And so managers, leaders, and professionals, workers, we've all got to sort of put our our back into it once again and give some allowances. You know, there's a lot of talk around, oh, my manager and my, you know, my boss isn't giving me consideration. And I want to say, well, you know, Yes, there's a lot of collaboration and co-creation that could be happening around this new way of working. Leaders need to be given a bit of a break too. They don't have a manual. They didn't go to, when they did their MBA, this wasn't in the course material, how to manage in a pandemic and how to bring people back into the office. So um, so a, a couple of the things though that I'm saying, hey, you know, just pay attention to this for both individuals and for individual contributors and managers is a term that also is not mine, um, but I saw it in, a, in a, a column this week, presenteeism, which is the opposite, opposite, I guess, of absenteeism, and really points to the phenomenon of in this hybrid world where some people have got the latitude of being in office and out of office, the fact that you are present means that you are probably going to be more visible, see more, have more opportunity to projects to work on, greater opportunity to promotions, greater opportunity to pay increases, greater, greater opportunity to negotiate for better benefits, whatever it is. This idea of being in person versus um, remote means there's, there's an advantage, certainly, particularly if leaders and managers are present too. Mm-hmm. Um, the incidental um, uh, sort of uh, interactions that happen when people are in person that you just pos- can't possibly have ha- that yeah. can't possibly happen when you're when you're working through um, through um, remote Zoom calls all day. Yeah. Um, those incidental, hey, won't you just come in and take a look at this piece of work, or won't you just give me a, a, a few minutes of your time to brainstorm on this? Those incidental occurrences um, mean that people in person are going to um, likely escalate in progress at a different pace. Yeah to those who are not. And while an organization may have given everybody equal choice to decide on how they want to work, inequalities are going to appear for sure. And for companies that are not paying attention, the inequalities that may already have been there, particularly with women, are going to, the, the, um, the gaps are likely to widen. Yeah. Well, and let's unpack that a little bit because you know, because like, you know, one of the things that I can't help but think about is how, well, uh, you know, number one, I think a part of what we're seeing is that, you know, anytime you have a normal, you know, a rating and ranking type of system in a company there, you know, there, there will be 
by definition, a minority who do not get superior uh, ratings and or who get fairly average uh, promotions and or raises. Um, and so I think there's a certain amount of this that I think is a problem that every company is, you know, faces just about every year. Uh, but then, you know, in, in your view, kind of what way do you think that dynamic has changed or adjusted based on what's been happening with the return to office movement? Hmm. So let me take a little step back and say, okay. you know, there was a lot of concern around productivity as a whole. Yeah. Um, and people being very afraid that when, when individuals were no longer under the scrutiny of a manager or supervisor, their productivity would tank. Yeah. And um, what emerged actually in, um, in all the data sources that I've read, as well as anecdotally from speaking to so many um, companies and CEOs all over the world really, is that what, what's happened with remote and in-person mirrors what the typical range of productivity. So you have yeah. got your top performers, let's say that your top 20% of people, they're going to be productive and amazing regardless where they are. They're always going to have the quality output. Yeah. Regard, they're going to be self-motivated, driven, et cetera. That's usually your sort of, it's like the, um, they're not the majority of your workforce, they're the, yeah. the top end. Um, then you're going to have your poor performers that are probably whether they were sitting, they, whether they're going to be sitting on the couch at home or you know just watching YouTube videos while they're in the office. That's typically there's level of performance and is going to happen irrespective of whether they're seen or not seen. And then you got your middle performers, and they need a different kind of. Um, some will will continue to perform because they're motivated to do to do so due to different um, factors. And why are people made motivated to perform? Sometimes it's peer recognition, salary increases, um, fear of um, fear in general, fear of losing a job, et cetera. Um, and those are your, 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 your middle middle. Um, now, when we've got some in office and some um, out of the office, I haven't got enough data to qualify this yet, but I'm willing to bet it's still going to measure up. Is regardless of where your top performers are, they are still going to continue to be amazing. Um, they're likely to still get the recognition your put that, they, that they deserve because of their involvement, collaboration, and input and output. Um, your poor performers, yeah. they're going to still be around. It's the middle middle that are probably going to have a trickier time of positioning themselves yeah. and who need just more support and help. And so I'm not sure how that how that pans out, but it's something yeah. that needs attention. Yeah, and I, I think that's uh, that 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 that's precisely true because um, you know I, I spent the first 20 years of my career in a corporate environment, and of course the tricky part of that is that you know um, you only a certain amount of people can be in that top 20%. And everybody is, you know, when you have a group that's composed almost entirely of type A's and everyone's trying to be in that top 20%, uh, it can unfortunately in some situations get kind of political. And I think that's, that, that, that's some of the, um, that, 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 that's where I think a little bit of the risk comes in. And it, it feels like that's one of the things that you're highlighting. Um, yeah, I'm also um, pointing to the judgment Mm -hmm. um, that, um, that can creep in, you know, if people have been given a choice around a one way or the other, yeah. um, and the choice is, well, cause I mean, there are many big tech companies that have said, listen, um, some of the top ones who said we can have certain number of people who choose to work remotely full-time. Yeah. 
Now that's a choice that's being given. But now what are the, the, the judgments, the behind the scenes um, view that a manager may have over somebody that has chosen to be fully remote? remote? Anecdotally, I hear the comments, the back channeling. Yeah. Um, and it's not always positive. In fact, it's often not positive at all. And so it's almost like by somebody choosing something that was offered as a benefit, yeah. but that doesn't align with a manager's preference, they're going to be at a disadvantage. And that's yeah. really not fair. No, and I think that's, uh, yeah, and I think that's exactly correct, uh, which is that there's, um, in a lot of cases, I think there's, there's a dynamic at play, which is where uh, people have been told, okay, well, if you are, uh, if you decide that you want to work from home, uh, semi either permanently or semi-permanently that people are given that choice, people have taken that choice and then find out that it's a detriment to their career. Um, you know, I think that's, I would actually, um, I would actually not be surprised if you start seeing some litigation around that at some point in the future. Um, you well, know, it, it, it is America, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's litigation for everything, for sure. Um, the other thing that I'm also really encouraging, so encouraging many um, organizations to do at a team level, is to collaborate and co-create the reason for being in the office. Because what we're seeing is many people are getting in the car, sitting yeah. in traffic, getting to the office, and then sitting on Zoom calls in the yeah. office. And that is so a, unproductive, is going to lead to so much resentment, <laughs> is so frustrating. And invariably, people are going to go, why are we doing this? This makes absolutely no sense. So my, my recommendation and encouragement and advice is figure out what this office environment is actually for. Why are you deciding yeah. to to convene and to spend time together is it a place is the office, what do you do better together that you couldn't do at home yeah and so if, you know there are some really good reasons to spend time working in communion together uh -huh. and those could be learning we know for sure that people do learn better um, in in a communal environment and certainly new people yeah. coming into a company learning on the job we know factually through this last two years, onboarding for new employees yes. was horrendous. And so that's a good reason to have people in, in the office in a synchronous way. Are we there because actually it's great to have some social time together? You know, that the, the speak of the water cooler that everybody was um, very nostalgic for during, yeah. um, during the pandemic. Well, what, are we going to be intentional about how we are spend time socially connecting when we're in office synchronously together? Um, is the office a place where we specifically collaborate? Because if we do, then why are we just going to sit in our cubicles or in yeah. our open plan office with our headphones on? That makes no sense. So having the office as a place of purpose that at a team level, there's an agreement and a why why am I going there? It might not suit me all the time, but if 75% of the time it really does make sense, you're going to have a lot less resistance and a lot more buy-in from a group yeah. of people. Well, and uh, it's, it's kind of funny, this, um, uh, what, what uh, I'm, I'm thinking back to conversations I had uh, you know, many years ago when I was at Intel, uh, and because the team that I was managing was spread across the Oregon site, the Santa Clara site, the Arizona site, and Costa Rica. 
And so I was like, okay, what is the point of all of us coming into the office you know, when all of our calls are either on, at the time it was Skype for business or my, you know, later on, later on Microsoft mm-hmm. Teams, um, you know, I'm like, I go, why don't we just have people say, you know, just say, all right, you're, everybody essentially work, say four days from four days a week from home, maybe come in one, once or twice a week. That way, if you need to collaborate with somebody from a different team, but otherwise let's just get everybody like actually together to do things like planning or new idea collaboration, like once every two or three months. Right. Like do something that actually really where you get actual value from everyone being in the same place. Uh, But don't force everybody to come in only to basically act like we're all sitting at home anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, um, as I said, the idea that we'd be able to, you know, pick up where we left off in February 2020. I think that's uh, um, That's silly. (laughs) That's not going to happen. Yeah. And then, um, so I I just uh, published a book towards the end of last year called The Living Room Leader, Leadership Lessons Uh for a Hybrid Future. And out of that, um, what I was trying to to, um, share was some of the ideas, some of the strategies, leadership strategies, lessons that emerged that we could not possibly have anticipated. That are really useful to think about and to apply into the future. Ways of working that for the very first time since the industrial revolution, when we all moved into factories and there was this idea around management supervising a group of workers who worked synchronously together between X time and X time and then went home and didn't think about work. This is the first time really at a global level that the whole world has had an opportunity to rethink that. And there's some really amazing things that have emerged, Um, new ways of thinking about work and why why we work the way we do and how we can be more productive and have better flexibility and happier at work. Um, we've seen you know, the great resignation um, as it's been coined, um, really pointing to the fact that a lot of people are super unhappy yeah. at work. And so how, what, what are we gonna take that's got value and merit into this next phase so that we can all have a joyful work-life experience? Yeah. I believe it's possible. Um, but it's going to take a lot of us to, to think that way and to work together to make it like that. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Precisely. Well, um, it's been a, been a great conversation today, Debbie. Um, uh, what, what, can you just give us, you know, one or two last things to kind of last, you know, great, uh, last ideas to take home and then uh, let everybody know your website so they can reach out and uh, connect a little more. Okay. So um, we'll start with the websites. Um, it's debbiegoodmanleadership.com is my, uh, my personal leadership website, but the executive search company is jhammerglobal.com and you can similarly find all the details there. Um, just some lasting thoughts is that this is all new territory, territory for all of us. And so leaders don't have all the answers and we should be co-creating this next phase, new phase of um, whatever the situation is, hybrid, continuing remote, return to office, whatever it is, get everybody's input so that we can optimize the way in which we work that suits in the best way for most of us at a team level. Don't try and do this at a big old level. Try and drill into a team level. And ask for ideas, ask for what works for people, hear people out. It's going to be impossible to to adjust and suit every single individual, but having a more personalized experience in work that works on a team level is totally possible. 
And so I just want to encourage everybody to start collaborating around this next phase so that we can collectively um, come up with new ideas and new ways to keep trying out. And that's the emphasis is if you don't get it right and it doesn't work like it doesn't work first time, don't give up. Try something else. Pivot, keep try trying. Else. Keep yeah. trying. Yes. Until it works for most people most of the time. Uh, outstanding. Well, uh, uh, excellent, uh, excellent advice, Debbie. Really appreciate appreciate you coming on the show today. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks, Doug. All right, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Terminal Value Podcast. Please feel free to visit me online at www.terminalvalue.biz where you can subscribe, find me on social, and then we can connect and just keep the conversation going. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you and I hope you have a wonderful day. All rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be produced in any form by any means without written permission from Business of Life, LLC. All trademarks and brands referred to herein are the property of their respective owners.